and welcome. Raise your inner game today. I'm David Levin. This is our Friday episode, so we are talking all things inner game. Tuesdays are for sports and sports parenting. Fridays are for everyone. So a little housekeeping to get started today. We just added this week a way for people to support the pod. We really want to keep away from the ads model. I just don't like it. I don't like any business that's based on monetizing attention. And we're seeing more and more the damage that business model causes. As a listener, I always skip the ads anyway, and I find it annoying uh, that I even have to do that. Uh, as a podcast owner, I hate the idea of having to chase down sponsors, especially when I expect that most people are skipping the ads like I do, so we're not even really offering a, a real value. It just feels like a terrible business model. Also, I don't like the effect on the credibility of the show. I listen to a lot of pods, and even with people I really respect, impressive, accomplished people, I think a little bit less of them when they start reading their ads or when they cut away. And that might just be me. <laughs> and of course, I get why they do it. I mean, a podcast is a lot of work, has to be paid for somehow. But I just really hate everything about the ad model, and I don't want to do it. So, donations, uh, direct, voluntary support is the other way to go. So, like I said, we just added the buy me a coffee option to the pod. If you'd like to support the show, you believe in what we're doing, you want to help keep it ad-free, there's a link here in the show notes. Just click on that. You can make a single donation or an ongoing donation. And thank you very much for that. All right, on to the show. Today we have another special guest with us, Kristen Lindeen. Kristen and I have known each other a very long time. She is the daughter of my dear friend John Miller, who's the author of the book QBQ, the question behind the question, was on the pod a couple weeks ago. Kristen is here today to talk to us about personal accountability and the QBQ and how it can help us raise our inner and outer game. We'll get to that a little later. And she'll also be co-hosting because that's the way we like to roll around here. So Kristen, hello and thank you for coming here today. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. It's going to be fun. So we'll start with ups and downs. Ups and downs are just things that are lifting us up this week. Things are pulling us down. And uh, Kristen, I just talked a lot. So how about we start with you? What was an up and down for you this week? Well, definitely I'm still on a little bit of an up from going to a Christmas light show that we go to. It was our third annual trip to Somerset, Wisconsin with all my kids. I have four kids. My husband, my father-in-law came along, and then we actually also met my sister-in-law, brother-in-law, and their kids there as well. So it was a lot of fun, and that was a little bit over a week ago now, but it was a lot of fun. And that, that highlight of tradition and doing something outside and figuring out how to enjoy the snow <laughs> definitely has me happy that we did that. So that was nice. Nice. And how about a down? You have something that was making things harder this week. Ooh, uh, this week, I think my um, my kids are struggling with some difficult behavior by other kids at their school, and oh. it's an ongoing thing. So that is tough to send your kid into an environment every day knowing that they're encountering some some poor choices by others. So that's tough. Yeah, that really is. That would definitely weigh on me too. All right, thank you. So um, ups column for me. I have been super focused this past week on my diet. I use the Noom app, uh, lost 25 pounds over the past six months. It's been great. 
But things have been getting a little loose the past month or so. And not super bad, but just not being as sharply focused and feeling like I wanted to get back on track. So this week, uh, I recommitted basically zero tolerance for any deviation. So same meals, every breakfast and lunch, snacks and veggies only. Uh, snacks are veggies only. I mean to say desserts, fruit only, tracking calories every meal. And I mentioned this on the Tuesday pod this week, but the point is I feel unbelievably better when I'm being super, super focused like that. It's just a massive uplift for me. In the book, I talk about why that is, that when you're going along with your lower impulses, not really paying attention, it's like you're sleepwalking, sort of. And when you start to notice and resist those impulses, it's like you're waking up. I'm just reminded this week how true that is. I just feel remarkably better when I'm being super focused like that. I love it. I mean, it's hard, right? It's not like it's... it's uh, happy and relaxed. <laughs> and, and I can't stay that focused indefinitely, but it's super powerful when I do it. So that's my up for my down. Um, I had some pretty nasty dreams this week. I have bad dreams pretty regularly. You know, it's common that I wake up sort of tired and bummed out from something in my dream. But this week I had a really particularly bad, it was almost scary. And I think I might've had it before. Um, but I, I got to share. So basically, in the dream, it was so creepy. I realized and remembered that I had killed someone in my past. It's like I had murdered them. And it was just the most awful feeling. I really thought I had done it. And I spent what felt like the whole night just going round and round. Did I really do it? Did I just blank it out? Is it, is it for real? Just the horror and the guilt around that is terrible. And even after I woke up, it took me a while to shake it because part of it was that I'd blanked it out, right? So I kept, even during that day, it was like, have I just forgotten? <laughs> it, was, it was really just, God, it was crazy. The good news is I'm pretty sure I didn't kill anybody uh, ever. I, I've gone through my memories, pretty sure. But that was a bummer. And, you know, and then I also get a little whiny sometimes, like, why do I always have these crazy dreams? Anyway. Those are my ups and downs this week, up from the super focus from the diet and down because of that nasty dream. Okay, ups and downs, thank you. Next up, we will go to the Raise Your Inner Game weather report. All right, the Inner Game weather report. How's your inner gravity today? What does the coming week look like? So uh, I'll start with this one. Today, not bad. I guess my big thing today is I'm short of sleep. Mr. Brita woke up really early for me last night, early enough that it's the kind of thing where I can actually really feel it. And hopefully it won't be too apparent in the pod. But the first thing that goes for me is my ability to, you know, speak coherently. So I'm hoping for the best on this one. Otherwise, not bad. Uh, had a doctor's appointment today, checked up on the old heart issue, you know, and uh, everything's looking good there. So good enough. Uh, the week ahead, again, pretty good, basically open. Uh, holiday plans are always stressful, but they're moving along well. Got some of the big things checked off. Uh, the kids break, holiday break starts next week. That always makes things easier schedule-wise. So uh, the answer is I don't have, I don't expect them to make any adjustments for the coming week to stay where I want to be. So that's nice. So, all right, Kristen, how about you? How are you doing today? And how does your coming week look? 
Today is an inner game kind of a day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been quite the morning. So um, making a good adjustments and managing and making good choices and uh, just going with the flow, which I'm actually quite adaptable. So that works well for me. Um, in the upcoming week, it's, uh, you know, it's that holiday week where there's just, everything's a little out of routine. The kids are still going to school, but I have more stuff on my plate holiday wise. So getting ready for Christmas, my husband's um, side of the family will do Christmas next Thursday. So prepping for that and also packing to drive to Colorado the morning after that. So it's two big, really big days right in a row. So I'm going to have to advance plan, which is not my specialty. I'm in the moment, adaptable in the moment, spontaneous. Uh, so to look ahead and think through what do I need to be doing today to be ready to pack on Wednesday so that we can enjoy Thursday so we can drive Friday. That is a mental game for me for sure. So that's my little, my forecast is thinking through all the things I need to do to make next week the holiday really nice and not stressful. Yeah, that's a lot. Are you both not planners or does Eric do the planning? Uh, he is the more futuristic planner type person and I can get there. But with all the things going on, I tend to just handle the day as it comes. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot more mental space for me to think, okay, what can I do today to make sure that I'm ready two days from now to actually pack yeah. the clothes? or yeah. that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, and I handle all the packing. So he would be okay. helpful if I wanted to ask him into it, but I don't ask him into it much because he's doing other stuff, so. All right, no, I totally get yeah. it. All right, well, that's the weather report. And we do that, and you can kind of feel it even just as we talk about it now. It's just as a reminder for you, uh, the listener, to do it as well. It's just super helpful mm -hmm. to check in with yourself, see how you're feeling currently, and then again, to look ahead not just for the planning and packing, that's part of it, but the inner the inner part. You know, when you know you've got a stressful period coming up, it's helpful to, you, you know, you can plan ahead. Okay, I need to make sure I take do this and take care of this. And otherwise the stress can come, can build up, get to be a little too much. And then all of a sudden you're not being the kind of person you want to be. So that's why we do our weather report. So I encourage you to think about that and we'll move on to our top stories. All right, top stories. I'll take this one this week. Uh, my top story this week is one that I'm guessing almost no one paid any attention to, <laughs> but I really did. And uh, let me get into it this way. Kristen, I'll ask you, how many glasses of water are we supposed to drink in a day? What have you heard? Half your weight in ounces. <laughs> That's what half, I know. <laughs> half your weight? Like uh -huh. 100 pounds? Oh, in ounces. In ounces. Oh, oh I see what you ounces. mean. Not 100 yeah. times 16, 100 no. times. Okay, great. Yes. I have I never heard that one. That's good. That Depends on the person, That's, I guess. It's kind of a lot. Um, <laughs> everything I've ever heard for as long as I can remember uh, said eight glasses. Mm -hmm. eight, 64 ounces, eight glasses a day. As far as I really have believed for as long as I can remember, it's like just everybody knew that. So uh, in the news this week, it turns out that's wrong. There was a massive study published, reported this week, a solid, professional, conclusive study that says we don't need that much water. The story is 
that number, that 64-ounce number, came from a study back in the 40s. And it was misremembered that the 64 ounces includes all of our sources of water, food, milk, coffee, tea. There are a lot of ways we get water in our diet, and they all count toward that 64 ounces. Also depends on how fat we are, how active we are, and where we live. But the bottom line is we don't need to drink eight glasses of water. It's not bad for us to do it, but we don't need it. So how many do we need? Pretty much whatever our body tells us. <laughs> so that's interesting and a little crazy-making. Uh, and the fact that it's crazy-making uh, is the real point in this and why I wanted to talk about it. The bigger question to me is, what do we do with this situation when science changes its mind? It happens all the time, especially with nutrition and health. One thing's true, everyone knows it, and then it's not. And so how do we trust the new thing? This strikes me as a really important subject and honestly the cause of a lot of the trouble we're seeing in society right now. Because I think what happens is, and I sort of get it, but we start to think, well, I guess I can't trust science at all. I can't trust the experts. I can't trust institutions because they keep changing their mind. And again, I get it, you know, intellectually, but it's just the wrong response and it leads to real problems. It's wrong because it doesn't understand the nature of science and expertise, and it creates problems because we need to trust experts and institutions. We, institutions, we literally can't function and move forward as a society without it. So when we hear about a new understanding, assuming the information is for real and credible, we have to do our due diligence on that for sure. But assuming it's credible, like this water study, we have to hold the new findings as true in my opinion. We have to trust them and accept them and act on them. Otherwise, we'll get no benefit from new discoveries. And we lose the ability to feel we know or trust anything, which is just paralyzing. Now, we shouldn't take anything blindly. There's probably more bad information out there than good. We have to be cautious about what we accept. And even with good information, since things do change over time, it's probably smart to you know, you have to be skeptical. I think that's probably too far, too negative and resistant. But to at least say, this is what we know right now. I'll accept it, and it may change in the future. Because that's really what science is always saying. This is the best knowledge we have right now, and we'll keep challenging that and testing it and updating it when we know better. That, I think, is the best way to deal with it, when something we've always known to be true is suddenly we're suddenly told it's not true. Also, remember, I think it's helpful to, you know, keep in mind it's different in different areas. Physics is pretty stable. We're not going to suddenly learn that gravity doesn't really exist or that the sun's actually cold, right? We trust airplanes to fly and computers to work most of the time anyway. That's all science and expertise and institutions. And if they can be trusted in one realm, they should be trusted in all realms because they operate on the same core principles. It's just that we're in a better position to be certain in some realms than others. So anyway, that's what's on my mind this week from the news. How is it possible that something we've been told so wrong, this eight glasses of water a day thing, is actually not true after all? And how should we react when things get turned upside down like that? So with my uh, top stories, I like to apply a Tolstoy rating and uh, as you know, um, based on the quote from the book, this means how well does it serve humanity? And I would say this has to be a positive score. 
It's not a huge thing, obviously. So maybe just a three and a half uh, on its own merits, but definitely positive, especially as it's about science and expertise and the effort to move things forward. So Kristen, I'm curious, how do you think about this kind of thing when common knowledge gets turned upside down like this? Hmm. It, you're, it's, it's throwing my mind for a loop, honestly, because I have always thought it was about 64 ounces or ha that's about half the weight and that's about the water that I drink every day. So it's interesting to me to even think about that. And I think when I'm presented with new information that challenges what I've always believed, I compare it and I look at it and I wrestle with it and I reflect on it and I think about it. And I guess what it comes down to is like how that ends up feeling in that moment. And do I trust the sources? And you said it was a, a good source. So just looking at all of that all around. And for me, I, I would end up discussing that with my, my trusted people in my life and just kind of going, what do we do with this? What do we do with this new information? I think it's a process and I think it looks different for each person. Some of us will more readily accept it and go, oh, okay, great. I feel this way with um, the medical community with how to treat sicknesses or what to do, or do you vaccinate or do you not vaccinate? Just all these different kinds of things where it's it changes, it feels like how we treat things. Um, as a mom raising children, I swear, from the time I was raising my 12-year-old when he was a baby to my now four-year-old, in that span of time, the way I was told to treat things at home, home remedies, is very different than it was 12 years ago. And so it's, it's interesting to me to kind of blend what I'm hearing from the experts with what I know to be true in my life and my experiences and figuring out how those mesh together, especially if things are changing from the expert community. Oh, I'm clearly processing this and working this out. So I'm not <laughs> sure if that all made a whole lot of sense, but no, no, it's great. Uh, it's, but, a, it's an ongoing process for me. The big thing I heard was that you don't, you know, hear something like that change again, something that we just believed for so long and go and start to think, gosh, I guess I just can't trust that source that you know, the, the right. medical community, the nutritional community. It doesn't quite take you there. It doesn't start to undercut your yeah. your faith in the institution and, and everything they're doing in general. It's just that particular topic. Yeah, I'm, I would say I'm I'm not a big reactive. Now I don't trust that, but I will. I won't just readily accept it either. I have friends who will just readily accept. Oh, they said it, then therefore it's true. I'm like, I don't know. Let's let's think about this. Let's talk about this. Let's evaluate this before we say yes. Yeah. Okay, let's move forward. All right. Excellent. Nicely done. <laughs> I feel <laughs> the same way. All right. That is our top stories. Next up, our quote of the week. All right. Our quote of the week. Kristen, I just talked a lot. Let's have you take what's this one. Take this one. Sorry. What's a quote on your mind this week? So I saw this on social media last week, and I don't know who said it. I can't tell you who to attribute it to, but the quote was, your kids need your presence more than your presence. And that just struck me as something to remember in this, this busy season, preparing for the holidays. If you celebrate Christmas in any way, shape, or form, it's it's busy, and it's easy for my presence to become this little snarled mess of 
planning and prepping and thinking and orchestrating and, and packing if you're traveling. And my kids miss out on me being present in the moment. So that's why I, I mean, I really appreciate, like I mentioned, things like going to Sam's Christmas Village um, in Wisconsin last week and just being able to be present with my children and building in those memories in the midst of the school and the gift wrapping and the shopping and all the things that we do in preparation for the holiday. Your kids need your presence more than your presence. Gifts mean a lot and it's super fun to have a fun Christmas morning, but it's so important to make sure that we're present with our kids and that's on us to figure out how to do that well. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. And just for our audio podcast listeners, I want to make sure I'm sure you got it, but they need your presence E-N-C-E more than yes. your presence E-N-T-S. I think it's a really great point. You know, it's like you say, um, it's a stressful time, especially for grownups and parents. And uh, it's easy when you're under stress. It's almost easier than anything to have that kind of take over your 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 tone. Your, your, you get distracted. You get, you're off on in your mental list of to-dos. Uh, you can get crabby, testy, and... Uh, and so that's a great reminder that the most important thing for them is just be with them and just be present mm-hmm. with them and all that. So I love that. Nicely done. Thank you. All right. That's this yeah. week's quote. Your kids need your presence, E-N-C-E, more than your presence, E-N-T-S. Next up, raise your outer game. All right. Raise your outer game. This is where we talk about the things we care about in our outer life, our health, our relationships, our finances. So this week, we're going to talk about something that I think is uniquely effective at boosting both our inner and outer game. A lot of times you hear about things that help with the inner game, but it's not super clear how they directly affect our outer game, but this one really does. And it is personal accountability and the QBQ. This is life-changing material that was originally created by John G. Miller with a little help from me. Uh, the book QBQ has sold well over a million copies now around the world. It's been crazy. And I'm super excited to have Kristen here to tell you more about it, what it is, how it works, and how we can apply it in our lives. So Kristen, over to you. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Yeah, I wouldn't be here without you coming alongside my dad and, and helping with this QBQ journey and helping launch that. So thank you for being a partner over the years in that. It's pretty fabulous relationship. So what we do at QBQ Inc. is we help individuals and organizations make personal accountability a core value. The way that we do that is by teaching this idea called the question behind the question, which of course we've shortened to the QBQ because acronyms are fun and it's easier to remember. So the way that a QBQ helps with our inner game and our outer game is that it really what it's doing is it's helping structure my thinking helping structure my thought process. So I will go into organizations and work with small groups or large groups, either virtually or in person, and will teach this idea called the question behind the question. So what the idea is in a, in a little nugget is it's, it's a, asking a better question than the ones that might initially come to us so that I can find better answers. So the answers are in the questions. The types of questions I'm asking myself throughout the day bring me to the types of answers that I'm looking for. So if I'm asking lousy questions, I'm going to get lousy answers. 
if I'm asking good questions, better questions, reflective solution oriented questions, and those are the kinds of answers I'm going to get. So what the QBQ does is it elevates and changes perhaps the way that I'm talking to myself throughout the day. So it's changing the way I talk to myself. And you know, we all talk to ourselves, right? Like all of us, we do. And even if we think we don't, we do. We all have some sort of internal dialogue that dictates how we behave, the choices we make, the way we think about the stress that comes into our lives. The way I talk to myself is a really big deal. So that is what the QBQ gets at, is how I'm talking to myself throughout the day. So the QBQ is a tool that helps individuals practice personal accountability. Personal accountability is it's a complicated thing. We talk about it in the in the business world. We talk about it in families, but not everyone always knows exactly how to explain it. Um, it gets a little convoluted. And so we like to keep it really simple. Personal accountability is really just making a better choice in the moment. So the QBQ is a tool that helps me as a leader practice personal accountability by making a better choice in the moment. And that really is all an internal process. This isn't something I do with other people. It's not something I do for other people. This is something I do on my own for me so that I can impact more change, so that I can help more people, so that I can serve. So that's what the QBQ helps us do. Now, the way a QBQ is structured is uh, it's, it's very specific. So I'll give you the guidelines and then I'll give you some examples. So a QBQ begins with what or how, and then it contains an I because, okay, class, who's the only person I can change? Myself, right? Yes, <laughs> myself. I'm the only person I can change. So we always want to be focusing that QBQ question on ourselves. So how can I or what can I? And then we want to focus on action so that we're always adding value, finding a way to serve, moving forward, solving the problem. So every QBQ begins with what or how, contains an I focuses on action. So how does this relate to, you know, parenting and family and work and all the things? Well, our the way we talk to ourselves relates to all those things. When I get up in the morning, if I can say, how can I be the best version of me today? That kind of question, that QBQ will then help me structure my day in a way that allows me to be the best version of myself. You know, what can I do to be the best mom that I can be today? How can I clearly communicate my expectations to my children today? If I have a job that I'm going to, you know, what can I do today to do my job effectively, to keep my eye on the ball, to focus and get the job done? What can I do to serve? How can I help those around me? These are examples of QBQs that we can ask ourselves throughout the day. So specifically in this season of holidays and we've kind of talked a little bit already about holiday stress and the busyness of this time of year i think it's important as families uh, for those of us who have families and children to remember that we create our, our our schedule we create our stress we create a lot of the hustle and bustle of the season and while a lot of that is beautiful and fun uh, we have to remember our accountability in that so when i'm starting to feel like why is this season so crazy? Why are my children so out of the out of control? When is someone going to help me clean up this house? You know, whose fault is this? Who made this mess over here? Who dumped this Christmas puzzle all over the floor? And who didn't clean up these gifts over here? This 
these types of questions, we call them incorrect questions in the QBQ world. These are the types of questions that lead us to not great thinking. It leads us to thinking uh, like victim thinking and blame and procrastination. It leads us to some pretty bad places. So that's why I want to replace those questions, especially in this holiday season, with what can I do to handle our busyness? How can I create sustainable traditions for my family during this season? What can I do to explain to my children <laughs> the process of gift giving and receiving? How can I create the environment that I want in my home today? What can I do to eliminate extra activities during this season when it's busy and chaotic? So these better questions help me focus on what I can do in the moment, in the day, in the coming week to uh, create the best experience for myself and for my family. Because like that quote of the week, you know, I want my presence to be more um, real to my kids than the gifts that I'm giving them. I want the, the memories of the season to not be one of stress and hustle and bustle and be here and be there, but to be a, a memory of love and joy and peace and togetherness. And that only happens when every mom and dad looks at themselves, personal accountability, and uses the QBQ to say, hey, what can I do? to help this season be the best that it can be? How can I bring some calm and peace into our family today and um, really help this season be beautiful? So that's, I mean, a very brief overview of QBQ, but I'd, I'd love to, David, any questions that you have from that? You know the material really well. So how can we um, even pull this apart and explain this even more for our viewers and listeners? Yeah, well, I'm just reminded First of all, of course, how much I love it. And also, there really is a lot of uh, overlap with the Raise Your Inner Game sort of approach yeah. to things in that, you know, the idea of Raise Your Inner Game, and, and you know this because you've read the book, um, it's uh, the first step is to just start to be aware of these impulses, of the mechanism of our uh, inner inner game, our mental game, and start to notice when these thoughts and feelings arise that are pulling us where we don't want to go. And that's the first step with the QBQ is to notice that we're asking these bad questions. We do that totally unconsciously. Something goes wrong, like you say, the puzzle's on the floor, and all of a sudden what we're doing without thinking about it is saying, who the hell, what? You know, and again, just yep. that thought pulls us into, and you articulate it in the QBQ material, um, I just speak of it more generally as just a, a lower level, but it's very specific. Yeah. It's not blaming, complaining, victim thinking sort of mindset, which is kind of a downward spiral. It really does nothing, especially when you frame it like you do at this time of year, when we really do want the just the whole vibe of this time to be connected and loving yeah. and reverent and, and beautiful, all those things. This, you know, mm -hmm. those, those natural instincts pull us in the opposite direction of that. But the first step of being able to just really become more aware when we're having these thoughts that are pulling us in the wrong direction and the other nice thing about the QBQ is that, again, with the Raise Your Inner Game stuff, uh, we really pretty much just say, notice that pull and stop it. Just say, I'm not going there. But the nice thing about QBQ is it can take you to the next level and say, okay, I've noticed that pull. I've stopped that. But now let me actually formulate a question that has its own energy, its own forward momentum. It, it can actually focus me on the specific things. You know, the, the actual questions themselves, the better questions themselves, um, that can take a little bit of work and specificity. I mean, the what or how, I, that part we can all do immediately. But the part after that, 
You know, I mean, it can take a little practice to um, to come up with questions that actually serve you. And not just that, but um, it's not just practice. I was going to say, oh, there's some underlying. So, like, for example, I don't necessarily intuitively know until I've done some work in this area that the better question would be, how can I be more present with my kids? That's news to a lot of people. You know, just yeah. that idea. So the QBQ um, tool can interrupt that initial negative process, put you on the right track, but there's still some work to be done. There's still mm -hmm. some books to be read and, you know, stuff to learn about mm -hmm. what the what the optimal good questions are. But even if you just take it at that beginning and just interrupt that negative process, there's a ton of power in that. One more thing occurred to me to say, and I know you talk about it in the material. Um, you talked about, you know, you just... You just do better work. You serve people better, all that stuff. But um, for me, uh, really the ultimate thing is you just feel better about yourself. You know, I talked earlier about how how incredibly uplifting it was for me to uh, be so focused, you know, on my intentions around my diet this week. It's really similar. When you, even before the outcome, like if you say, how can I be impressive with my kids? That's a beautiful thing. And you're going to you're going to do things and, and you're going to be more present with it. I mean, you're going to feel that. But just even if you just analyze the experience of noticing the negative impulse and saying, oh, no, I'm not going to go there, that all by itself, just for our own emotional well-being and pride and joy and presence and all that, it's just transform transformational. So all that is to say, uh, I love the QBQ, <laughs> and I really recommend folks check it out. Uh, we'll we'll have some in the show notes. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But basically, the book is Amazon. The site's QBQ.com. Um, another nice thing about it, compared to other kinds of personal development material, uh, you can digest it in like an hour. You know, it's not a yeah. big, it's not a lot of work to mm -hmm. get the ideas and to, to to feel it and see it in your life and then start to put it into action. You can. Absolutely. Even just our little discussion here, you can probably do some. But the book itself, you can probably read it in 90 minutes, uh, literally, and uh, put it to work right away. Which, you know, you think about this time of year, that we're already talking about the stress of our to-do list, right? Great. I'm going to put another thing on there. This actually <laughs> will fit right in. You can you can slot this in between now and New Year and set yourself up to just totally have a, a new experience in 2023. Mm -hmm. So. I don't have any extra questions or anything, but those are my uh, observations and comments on the material. I like what you said about um, forward motion. That's what the QBQ helps us do with that with that third guideline of focusing on action. It's 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 compelling us and moving us toward something better. So, like you said, it takes some time to figure out what that better is, and it'll change over time. But that's the beauty of the QBQ. Is it is it's it's like an onion. I mean, I've been teaching this stuff full time for 14 years now. And it's still there's just times where I'm just peeling it back. I'm like, man, this just gets deeper and deeper. It's so practical. It's so it's so easy to apply immediately. Like I teach live sessions and people go, oh, I'm already using this. And they're walking out of the session, formulating the questions and practicing it. And then I'll connect with them five years later. And they'll say, man, this stuff is still changing my life. I mean, that's just what's it's there's just a depth to it that is so fabulous. The longer you use it, the more uh, wonderful and broad and and deep at the same time it all becomes. It's really a life changing tool, and I'm I'm grateful my dad came up with it because it certainly has shaped my life for the better. And yeah, it yeah. it helps 
our family and it helps my marriage and it helps just in so many areas. And yeah, yeah. so we have the Raising Accountable Kids book too for parents who want to think about, you know, how to best parent from this kind of perspective. So that's been a lot of fun to dig into that as well. Yeah, that's excellent. No, it's great. Uh, I'm sure anybody listening here could could jump in and get be, be significantly up by like right away. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I just super appreciative of you coming on and sharing it with us. All right. So that is our outer game discussion for the week. Personal accountability and the QBQ. It's just you'll love it. All right. Next up, inner game gold. All right, inner game gold. These are the ideas and concepts I come back to over and over to help me stay on track. So this week, I want to share another quote. Um, so you normally think it might go in the quote of the week, but I actually do come back to this one over and over because there are a couple core ideas in here that just really speak to me. So let me read the quote first. It's a little bit longer, and then I'll talk about the ideas in there that I love so much. So this is from Martha Graham. She was a hugely influential dancer and choreographer in the 20th century. And here is her quote. And again, it goes on for a little bit. There is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there's only one of you in all of time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is, nor how valuable, nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly and to keep the channel open. You don't even have to believe in yourself or your work. You have to keep yourself open and aware to the urges that motivate you. Keep the channel open. No artist is pleased. There is no satisfaction, whatever, at any time. There's only a queer, divine dissatisfaction, a blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the others. So obviously she's talking to artists of one kind or another, but I think it applies way beyond that and it just knocks me out whenever I read it. Here are the big points for me. First is the idea that we actually have an obligation to let the best in us come out. We literally owe it to the world to share ourselves because if we don't, that potential is lost. No one else can give the world what we can. I love that. The second is her clear statement of the nature of creativity when she says our only real job is to keep the channel open because that is where new ideas come from. They bubble up through our subconscious. So don't shut it down by judging it or comparing it to others. Just keep it open and own it. And the third, which might be my favorite, is the whole part, and this kind of ties into the QBQ conversation, the whole part of stop whining, you know, a little bit. No one's pleased with their work. No one's fully satisfied. Sort of get over it. Don't expect any of that. But it's still important to do it. It's worth it. We feel more alive for it, and we're doing our part to serve the people in our lives. I just love it so much. So, Kristen, I'm curious, how does that, probably the first time you heard of it, how does that strike you? It, it was beautiful. I I agree with the sentiment that we owe it to the world to put our best self forward. I think that each one of us was put here and created for a reason and with unique gifts and strengths and that um, my voice is needed in the world 
in the space that I'm in. And if I withhold that, then then it's causing other people to not step into their giftedness because perhaps I'm not there calling it out in them. And it's a it's a ripple effect. So if I withhold my uniqueness from the world, it's going to affect other people. And it, it's we're all better together. We're better together. And when we all yeah. put ourselves out there, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think that's how the yeah. world is supposed to work. And yeah. unfortunately, tragedy and, and poor choices and different things get in the way of yeah. that. And it, it's devastating to think of how beautiful humanity could be. Yeah. So yeah. And it's not even, you know, she's an artist they, again. Yeah. She was a, sorry to interrupt. She's a fa- artist, a famous oh, artist. Yeah. But it's not even to say, and you're not saying this, but it's not even to say that we need to try and be a famous artist. Right. I don't think she's saying that at all. Right. I think she's no. just saying yeah. we need to be ourselves. We need to be fully alive and mm-hmm. fully present and just be the best version of ourselves we can be so that mm-hmm. we can serve the people in our lives. And uh, and no one can do it. Uh, no one can do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I actually my 12 year old Joshua, he goes to a private school and there are a there is a high percentage of athletic boys in his class mm. and he is I love my kid he's not an athletic boy that's not who he is <laughs> so he really struggles with well I'm not one of the jocks and I'm not good at hockey and I don't I play baseball but I'm not like the best at baseball and I don't mm. eat sleep breathe sports so what am I that's what you have to be at in middle school right now and, mm. and we just mm. keep telling him you are so gifted in piano and singing and music and art and and theater he is a fabulous actor and this whole realm and he told me yesterday yeah but mom in seventh grade when you're a boy that's just not what you do that's not that's not what gets um talked about that's not what gets noticed and i said i don't care what gets talked about and noticed this is how you were designed and created and this is what you bring to the table and who knows what other kids in your class also feel this way and don't feel brave enough to step out and be who they are. So you go be who you are and sit with the girls and play piano because that's awesome. And I love that about you. And so it's an interesting conversation that is now coming back to my mind based on this quote. It just happens to be about being an artist because that's what he is. But I think it's the same with anything that we feel compelled to to be in in our lives and just going for it putting ourselves out there and going for it. Yeah. And also, again, I'm, I'm restating it, but I love it so much. Just calling out the reality that you'll do that and you need to do that and you have to do it, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be satisfied with your output. You know, I mean, if you yeah. just think about the arts, right? He's a piano player. He's going to go have a recital. I've never met a kid who felt they did as well at the recital as they do in practice. You know, we just don't. And and that's just the way it is. And that doesn't mean it's not beautiful and important for you to keep doing that piano thing. Putting yourself out there. Yeah. Yep. Another thing, it occurs to me to say, I might not say it to a seventh grader, but I might actually. Um, <laughs> you know, all that stuff about like the things that they look to when you're a seventh grade boy. I would say that's, you know, I, I totally get that. But um, as a little morbid thought I'm about to say, but if you go to someone's funeral, that's not what they talk about. They talk about what kind of person are they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nobody talks about, are you the football player or are you whatever you do? No matter what realm we're talking about, they only talk about 
How are you with people around you? Are you caring? Are you there? Very true. Are you a good friend? So, you know, you can you can really uh, support them in that too, and just being not just what you do, which is different from your friends, but who you are. You know, who you are yes. is fantastic and beautiful. And and uh, please don't think that's not enough. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. I love yes, that quote. Exactly. I love it. I love it. I'll put it in the show notes. Martha Graham. And uh, I can't just repeat it because it's too long, but you can, <laughs> you can check it out on your own. All right. That was the Intergame Gold for the week. Next up is our Charging Station Challenge. All right, our Charger Station Challenge of the week. And I call it the Charging Station Challenge because you don't have to do this, but uh, we also have our online community, the Charging Station, and uh, we post these challenges in there too. So you can go in there and do it with other people if you want. Adds another dimension to it, it's really fun. So last week, we had you do a daily check-in with yourself. It's a very helpful thing to do. I hope you enjoyed that. This week, I wanna tie back to what Kristen talked about with the QBQ. So the challenge is once a day, so you can start to get into the habit of it. I want you to notice something you're frustrated about, notice that impulse come up, maybe you're complaining about it, and try turning that around and asking yourself a QBQ instead. So Krista, not to put you, you know, on the spot, but if you, can you give us a couple of examples of a moment, like maybe a holiday parenting moment or whatever comes to mind, people might have the kind of reaction they might have and how they might be able to turn that around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so an instance that comes to mind is um, kids, <laughs> kids, um, kids listing kids, kids, kids listing all the things that they want for Christmas. And I know mine keep coming to me and saying, "Mom, I want this for Christmas." Or my four-year-old will see something at the store and she'll say, "Take a picture. I want this for Christmas." so that you can tell Santa. Uh, so that's an instant that comes to mind. And I start to get frustrated by that because I start to tell my kids, I'm almost done shopping. You know, we're almost done. It's not just about the getting, it's about the giving. And I try to like, <laughs> try to reinforce that Christmas isn't just about getting stuff. So in that moment, the QBQ for me is to say, what can I do to use this as a teachable moment, right? So instead of just saying, put it on the list or no, I'm done shopping, just getting down on their level, no matter if they're taller than me now or they're little and saying, hey, it's really fun to get presents, isn't it? And just talking through that and saying, great, we'll put that on your list. But can you now think of something? What what can you give to someone else that would be really wonderful? Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a drawing. Maybe it's, um, if it's an older kid, maybe it's taking your younger sibling out for a date or something like that. But just using that moment to ask myself, what can I do to make this a teachable moment about the the overall spirit of the season of, of Christmas? Uh, yeah. So that's one instance that uh, pops to mind, especially relating to the holidays. For sure. That's excellent. Another thing that occurs to me, uh, sort of variation, is just to say even, how can I let that not bug me so much? You know, yeah. yep. in that case, it's not really so much forward looking. It's just about not getting pulled off into the negative, yep. you know, place you don't want to be. So both those yep. can be super helpful. Yep. Excellent. Thank you. Very true. So that is the challenge. Uh, once a day for the next five or six days, whatever, look for some moments as they come up where there's some frustration coming up for you and practice turning your negative thoughts into a cubicle. I think you'll find this very helpful. As I mentioned, I will post this challenge in the Charging Station community. If you're not in the community yet, just click the link in the notes. It's free. 
just register. You can go straight in there. Uh, again, you don't need to do it. You can just do it by yourself. But it is always fun and helpful and sort of takes to another level to do these kind of things with others. So check that out if that sounds like a good thing for you. And that is it for this week's Charging Station Challenge. Next up, highly recommended. All right, highly recommended. This is just the things I'm crazy about right now. Books, shows, gadgets, things I love and recommend. So, Kristen, I'm going to start with you. Anything you are recommending this week? Yeah, I just in February, which feels like yesterday, but it, it isn't, <laughs> surprisingly. <laughs> uh, my husband and I went to Mexico. First time we got away, just the two of us ever. And I gave in and got a Kindle because I couldn't fit all the library books that I wanted to read. So I got a Kindle. And I'd always rejected the notion. I I always wanted books, like real paper books. But man, have I loved that Kindle. I've read over 50 books this year since February, which is, I mean, quadruple what I read last year. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased with myself for finally giving in uh, to the technology and enjoying that. So that's been really fun. Yeah. I can't um, believe it then, took you that long to get an e-reader. I know. I just, oh, first of all, I didn't read much in like the baby raising years okay. because I just didn't. Um, and I, when I did read, it was usually like a mommy book. And so I was wanting to underline. Oh. So I was really all about the the hard copy. Yeah, but yeah, now yeah. that I'm just kind of devouring novels because it's fun, then the e-reader is really good for that. So, and why yeah. do you think? Why do you think it's helped you read so many more books? What is it about an e-book that helps you uh, get through more than the physical? Isn't that funny? Yeah, I mean, because I still mostly read at home, but I think it's the um, able to download from my library or from mm. Amazon Unlimited. We signed up mm. for Amazon Unlimited too, or Kindle Unlimited. So I think just having those books um, easily accessible mm. instead of having to either, I don't like to buy books because clearly we have a lot of books um, and we don't need more. And getting to the library is a kind of a chore. So I think it's the accessibility of the downloadable library books or the unlimited books that I can just kind of like whip through and then send them back and get a new one. Sure, sure, sure. I know the big yeah. thing for me was that my my number one reading time was, uh, you know, at bedtime. And I yeah. tend to be up later than Margaret. And if I had to read a physical book, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't have the light on, the itty-bitty book right. light. I got tired of those. So, like, I, I, almost, I probably wouldn't hardly read at all if it weren't for ebooks. So that's, yeah. that's great. So, yeah. yeah all right. Awesome. Uh, something more to recommend. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're definitely going through all the Christmas movies right now. So our favorite thing to do the last couple of years is have our kids actually work together to brainstorm and have a handwritten list of all the movies they want to watch at Christmas time. And mm. we're a movie family. We're a TV family. We love doing TV and movies together and we make popcorn and it's so much fun. And so it's been super great for them to literally check off on their list and then we'll add new movies. And so I can't really tell you specifically which ones right now, but they're just having a blast doing that. So I nice. highly recommend having your kids involved in making an actual list. And my husband and I are binge watching Suits right now, which is a fun show. We'd started it a number of years ago, but I think it was before it was all available on Hulu. And so we didn't want to purchase episodes. So we quit. And now we're watching it and really enjoying it. So that's currently what we're watching is Suits. I don't know that one. That's what I wanted to ask you to. It's on Hulu? Yes. 
Okay, because I want to put a link to these things in the show notes, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't sure. I mean, find my favorite guy. show that I just finished up watching for the fifth time is White Collar. That's my absolute favorite show. Okay, all right. Uh, but but Suits rivals it, so it's good. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right, excellent. Thank you. I only have one this week, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, boiled eggs. Uh, more, <laughs> more specifically, this is. I believe the best way to get a good boiled egg, and by good I mean the perfect texture, and that you can peel it without tearing it to shreds. For the past six months, so I mentioned my diet, and uh, a part of that has been, you know, part of my breakfast every day has been a boiled egg. So I've been doing a lot of boiled eggs month after month after month, and it's just a nightmare to try and peel those things when they're not going well, right? I mean, I, I hate it. You're being patient, trying to get it peeled cleanly, and it won't come off, and you end up. It takes forever. And you still end up messing the thing up. And it's one of those things that uh, I get super crabby about. <laughs> so I finally thought, well, there has to be, somebody has to have cracked this, no pun intended, there has to figure this out, <laughs> right? There's got to be a reliable way. So I went online, I researched, and it turns out I found a way and it's worked perfectly every time. So I just want to quick share what it is in case anybody out there has a hard time getting the eggs they want. All right, so here it is. Um, <laughs> oh, and the thing I want to say, as I found this new recipe, there were quite a few things that were different. You know, I'd always been told, I think what the system we always used was you put the eggs in cold, you bring it to a boil, you turn it off then, let it sit for eight minutes. And it was terrible. I mean, it's a terrible way to do it, but it's the way I just, the only way I thought we were supposed to do it. So here's the new way. And again, I did not come up with this. I found it online. Uh, I will put the article, a link to the article in the show notes, but here's what you do. So you start with a big pan of water. I use a big Le Creuset pot, like eight quarts or whatever. Add some salt, bring it to a boil first, put your eggs in then. I've been doing six at a time. And then you let it boil for a really short time. Just let it boil for like 30 seconds. I've gone like 45 seconds. It still seems to be fine. But that's, that's all the longer you have them in there at full boil. Then you turn the heat to low. Cover the pan and let it simmer for 11 minutes, which is a very specific number, but that's what the recipe says. Set a timer. When the 11 minutes is done, and this was really strange, I thought, you put the eggs into an ice bath, so a bowl of water with some ice in there, and let them sit for another 15 minutes. But that's it. Perfect eggs every time. Could not love it more. <laughs> I, I don't know why any of these particular steps matter, why 30 seconds, not a minute, why 11 minutes, not, you know, but it works. I trust it. It's never failed me. I've been doing it for months now. And my egg problem is gone forever, which makes me very yeah. happy. So highly <laughs> recommended. <laughs> so that's our uh, highly recommended section. Kindle and Christmas movies and the Suits show from Kristen. <laughs> Perfect hard boiled eggs from me and links to everything here. I will be in the show notes. So that's highly, rec highly recommended. Sorry. And that is it for today's episode. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. It was super fun. Tell people how they can find you uh, and the QBQ. Yes. So QBQ.com. That is the easiest way to find us. You'll find all of our contact info and links and all the things on there. We're also active on Facebook. We have a couple Facebook groups. We have a Raising Accountable Kids group and a QBQ group. And you can find John on Twitter and LinkedIn. He's pretty active on those uh, platforms as well. So qbq.com is the best place to find us. Excellent. All right. Again, thank you a ton. Everybody check out QBQ. 
You will love it. And that is our show. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Every positive review helps more folks find the show and get a helpful mental game boost. Uh, If you like video, we post all our episodes on our YouTube channel as well, which you already know if you're watching this video. (laughs) But there's a link to that in the show notes if you're listening to the audio pod. For more mental game goodness, please join our free community I mentioned earlier, the Raise Your Inner Game Charging Station. Click the link here. Go to raiseyourinnergame.com slash community. It's totally free. You will love that. If you'd like to support the show so we can keep things ad-free, please click the Buy Me A Coffee link below. And thank you for that. And finally, we'll close with the Steve Prefontaine quote from the end of the Raise Your Inner Game book. To give anything less than your best is to sacrifice your gift. That's what we're doing, folks. We're working to be our best. It is the gift that keeps on giving, and the world needs as much of it as it can get. So keep up the good work, and we'll see you next time.